0: Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you
1: ready? Wow, the first episode of Audience First podcast. Uh, I really do commend those of you who have gained the courage to come in and, and listen or by chance just happened to randomly stumble on this new podcast of mine. But in any case, it's an absolute honor, really. Uh, and thank you for joining me in this journey to becoming customer obsessed. My name is Danny Wolf, and I'm a tech marketer like most of you. Now, I debated whether or not I should record an intro session to explain why I'm doing this podcast, but by chance, an absolutely awesome episode on breaking through in cybersecurity marketing podcast just dropped. So I want to highlight first and foremost, the great work that the fellow marketers and founders of the cybersecurity marketing society have done in the past year and a half, I believe even two Gianna and Maria, what a community you've built. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And I do want to thank them for having me on that show. I do want to highlight their episode, which takes you through my backstory, highlights my core marketing values of leading with empathy, trust, and loyalty. In the coming half hour, you'll hear my philosophy on creating meaningful customer-centric experiences, how to identify customer challenges and buying motivations, and how asking the right questions can help transform your marketing efforts. So with that, enjoy the show. And welcome to Audience First.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing, the podcast where we interview experts, visionaries, just some cool people about cybersecurity marketing and their ideas and thoughts on the future of the industry and what's working now, what's not. Sometimes we get really deep in some spicy, hot opinions, which is also fun. All right. So today we have just me as your host. Uh, Maria is out, but she'll be on the next episode. And we have Danny Wolf as our amazing guest today. Danny is the director of demand generation at Cyber Six Skill. Previously, she worked as a marketing manager at Gardecore. And we like to go to Danny when we have questions about conversion rate optimization, user experience design, and audience research. So we're especially going to cover that third topic today because Danny has a lot of opinions, and I personally consider her one of the foremost experts in actual good audience research, which I know she would humbly debate.
1: Thanks, Jana. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to be here and, you know, our expert. I'd like to think so, but I, I do want to stress that I'm learning and a student just like, like many of you are. And my hope is that, you know, everything that I've been learning Failing at mostly those small, consistent, and incremental successes. I'm hoping that I'll be able to pass that on to, to some of you today, share my findings, and help out with with some of you who are phasing into tech and cybersecurity, or even who are already a veteran in the space. I'm just better understand how we can become stronger at at um, learning about our audiences, becoming more empathetic, so that we're helping those who are actually at the at the front line battling threats or solving complex challenges do things a little bit better in this very complex and dynamic digital world if you will
0: so expert yeah well i hope <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Awesome. And so we're super excited to dive into that, Danny. And I learn from you all the time. I follow you on LinkedIn and, you know, on occasion, we chat about audience research and you always have something insightful and you're always willing to share what's worked and what hasn't when you're doing it. So why don't we dive kind of right in and let's focus on the topic of audience research. So cybersecurity marketing is one of the tougher places to be a B2B marketer. And that's largely because of what we consider a very tough to speak to technologically savvy, elusive audience slash ICP, right? CISOs, security folks, people like you said, Danny, on the front lines. But you have a perspective that if we were just use more empathy, learned more about what they actually need, and stop being such head in the clouds, head up our asses marketers, that we'd be able to connect better. And the foundation of this is kind of research and getting to know your customer. What do you so? Can you just like talk a little bit about that? About your philosophy on getting to know your customer?
1: Yeah. So just let's just for the record state that I've never said head up ass marketer. So I just I don't want people
0: stabbing me after this or tasing oh, yeah. me. But, <laughs> so you can stab me. I said it. Don't worry. Don't 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 don't, don't, don't touch Danny. Okay.
1: <laughs> no. So yeah, I just. I, for sure, I'll take you a little bit through how I came to understanding that this, that empathy, trust, and loyalty as a cybersecurity marketer, understanding my audience really became my my North Star. I think it was back in 2011 or so, um, that's, that's when I fell in love with the importance of um, user experience. As it ties back to technology and the way we do things as marketers. Then I was running um, digital marketing at a at, you know high growth startup, and ironically, you know, despite my passion and love for for UX, I continued. I think for a good five or six years, trying to chase after leads and and vanity metrics at the expense of what I was so passionate about achieving. Right, creating meaningful experiences for audiences through digital marketing campaigns, websites. So yeah, I mean, I spent years wasting time focusing on trivial tasks based on guessing assumptions, superficial data, inaccurate dashboards um, that had no impact on on what was important to my business. And I felt, you know, like I felt, wow, this sucks. Because I know how to do all this great stuff, but you know, when I want to like when I went to level up my career and and share my wins and and impact on growth, I was like, what what do I have to show for this? Like lead growth or like impressions over time? Like, you know, these were companies that that were expecting like huge growth and 20% increase in pipeline year over year just didn't cut it. And so I got to a point where I was like, oh God, I am so anxious, overwhelmed. I felt like I wasn't making an impact fast enough. You know, I was, I was trying to make a good impression on direct managers and the athlete in me felt really incompetent and unsuccessful at my job. And, and so I, I used, I kind of used all that stuff that I was doing as an excuse not to do things the right way and yay, burnout happens. Yay. Yay. So it pays me to say that, you know, while I've mastered so many skills as a digital marketer, that the one skill that was missing for me or I wish I massaged or developed more much earlier was learning to get closer to the audience, the customer, the buyer, learning how how to most importantly listen to them and ask the right questions to, to extract important insights that would help me diagnose the situation late, keep myself laser focused on, on my efforts to create customer centric experiences that would, you know, then create real exponential growth. I think it was like when I moved into the cybersecurity space where I really changed the core of my marketing values. And now like learning about my audience is, is my obsession. And whoever can't handle that within an organization, tough, tough luck because creating those great experiences is what's going to help us. Again, you can call this idealistic or whatever, is going to help us solve really critical issues for people in in tough spots for the victims and for the audience who are who are tasked to solve these really really difficult issues and so again that's why this whole concept of of leaning towards customer centricity leaning towards empathy trust loyalty is key in in cybersecurity so yeah i've been spending like every day i've been carving out time to read about the market to talk to customer facing stakeholders internally, uh, externally, uh, listen on LinkedIn, listen to customer calls, read Salesforce, reach out to the audience and talk to them and identify what are the challenges and motivations, which will then define the way I work. Doing all that, it's, it's been quite rewarding. I, I gotta say, it's been really rewarding in a short period of time. Not only has it been able to improve the way I do things, but it's been um, affecting my direct team, <clears throat> Pardon me, the, the culture of the company, the experiences it 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 builds beyond the end goal of the company, really. I'd say that, you know, ever since I've I've been doing this and all that frustration is is mostly out the door, but it's really re-energized my entire professional career and, and personal life for that matter. It's really allowed me to think differently, advance my knowledge as a human being, not just as a marketer. You know, trying to spearhead some important change here with with those on the front lines. So when you have that in your hand, I mean, who wouldn't want you to have a seat at the table, right? So I, I personally think that marketers owe it to the world to unmute the mic, you know, talk to the customers, learn how to do it well. And my hope is that, you know, this episode and everything that I'm doing beyond this episode
0: with, with my new podcast, which I won't use this platform yeah. to promote that. No. But- <laughs> no, no, no. You will use this platform to promote at the end. We're going to say, Danny, what's your new podcast? <laughs> yeah.
1: My, my hope is, uh, my hope is by the time this airs that, you know, we'll have some good stuff already live, but, um, my, that's my hope again, call it idealistic, but I, I would like to join the resistance of security practitioners against marketers. Ooh and help help all of us do this a little bit better.
0: Awesome. And that's a worthy, that's an absolutely worthy cause and one that will definitely work rec- more resistance holders to your ranks. So getting access to customers seems to be the foundational in understanding them, talking to them is like a foundational act. You said there are things you can do to ask the right questions, to have the best types of conversations, with prospects and with customers. So you don't waste their time. You don't waste your time. Can you talk about like from the beginning, how can marketers at cybersecurity organizations gain access to customers and what's the game plan when asking that? What are some questions or some ways you can frame the conversation so that it's the most effective like 20 minutes you get? We'll break it down. So gaining access to customers. I
1: love this question. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, just ask to talk to customers. But in my experience, and I know the experience of, of others, access to customers is often denied. Here's the regular objection I've gotten from customer success on, on multiple occasions. In CS words or customer success words, we're already asking too much from, from the, our customers. Come back and you know, I'll put you in the queue for, for another quarter from now. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't want to burn them know,
0: out with requests. Yeah,
1: you know, I, I've heard this twice in two different organizations. At least, you know, uh, coming up, uh, coming up to customer success twice in two two organizations. I kid you not. And I get it. Look, I get it. There's there's the legitimate fear from customer success side. I mean, think about their goals. They want to keep customers happy. They want to onboard them as quickly and seamlessly as possible. We want to retain them. God forbid a marketer. Pisses uh, pisses off a recent buyer by by asking them for a case study way too soon, or you know, like spewing spewing some buzzwords or, to them, or talking in. Code or whatever, Um, and then you and then
0: you lose a multi million dollar account for the company. Right? They just signed a contract which locks them in for three years, and now the marketer is going to come in and ruin it all. Right? I wouldn't want to be that girl, but here's my opinion,
1: and I don't know. Maybe others may have more insight into this. I mean, frankly, I'd like to know why. I'm still asking a lot of people why. It's. I think this is an interesting conversation that we can drill down into for hours. But my experience is that. It's, it's not enough to ask customer success for an opportunity to talk to customers. Um, I, I frankly think that, that and, and I've been guilty of this, those who ask have not sold the idea of a customer interview or, or the value of customer research well to the right person in the organization. And in most cases with the right, people behind them you should not be alone in this right you need a team behind you who's going to support your effort right so you have to sell them the strategy you have to educate them they don't they don't know what your goal is what are you trying to accomplish by talking to a customer how are you going to approach them how long will your conversation last what questions are you going to ask them and I think most importantly especially in, in the security space how will you be treating? those valuable insights, yet very confidential insights. Mm -hmm. And so you got to remember that your goals as a marketer who's trying to extract insights is completely different than the customer success goals. And you have to articulate that well with a thought out strategy. I think once you do that, you'll get buy-in for sure. I know that I've gotten buy-in. I know that I've been able to, get the right people behind me. And, you know, if that doesn't work, you'll, you'll definitely be more prepared for your next customer in interview at the, the, another company that you're probably joining.
0: And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon are available to look at, listen to and sponsor at hackervalley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, Hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows and uh, sponsor, a podcast or two. Thanks. Like you said, Danny, the goal of customer success is not to just extract insights. It's to reduce churn, right? To keep the customer on. So if you're going to sell to customer success, you're going to have to either, you're going to have to wrap your ask in something that's relevant to customer success, or you should be going to other people. Who are the other people that you mentioned other groups, other orgs that you'd speak to. For me personally, I always talk to sales. Sales is happy to put me in front of customers because they know that when I speak to customers and I learn something, I will take that and use it to help get more customers.
1: Yeah, okay. definitely
0: sales. They're good at saying they'll do that. You just, you got to follow up with them. because <laughs> the- Oh, I just take it completely out of their hands. <laughs> I just say, Hey, here are the people in the sales force. Can I email them? I'll CC you on it. I want to speak yeah. to them, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. Fine, that's great, good. I love it, you know." And then you do it; you don't wait. Yeah, definitely sales. You know,
1: if you're in a director position, you have a CMO above you. CMO should be behind you for sure. If you're a CMO, frankly, I think the CEO should be on board with this as well. I, I, I have my again. I can get into this for hours how I think this should be coming from the top. But for the sake of time, we'll do that another time. Yeah. So sales, CMO. In some cases, really, uh, product the top, the top, top level C level product uh, people or the VPs of product have been, at least in my experience, have been super helpful because they have a hand in helping out with newly onboarded customers. So depends on on the organization and the type of customer you're selling to. In my case, you know, I'm selling to uh, high consideration buyers. The ASP is 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 quite high. I think it depends also you know, the barrier to entry is, 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 different for, for some people, you know, you may be selling
0: mm-hmm.
1: a security tool that, you know, the ASP is lower. It's a potentially just a SaaS tool that you can buy online. It's, it's a little bit different. Access to customers is a little bit different. So I'm, I'm talking about the barriers for high consideration buyers, high ASP. Yeah.
0: For big mama enterprise deals, you know, big honking deals. Let's segment our, um,
1: Our accounts from big mama to big papa and baby bear or something like that (laughs) instead of uh, the the current model.
0: Good, I I can't wait to hear how your team uh, reacts to that presentation. (laughs) Okay, so first step, getting access to the customers, assume you got access to one. What, What are some questions you ask in an initial research conversation with these customers?
1: Yeah, so before diving in there, First and foremost, conversations and getting to know your buyer should not be complex. It shouldn't be hard. It doesn't have to be time consuming, but it does take practice and and um, building some muscle. And everything I'm telling you here, I did not make up. Hell no. It exists out there. You just need to apply it. And I will um, share with you framework and the questions I learned from Adele Rivella founder and CEO of Buyer Persona Institute and author of the book, Buyer Personas. So she talks about the five rings of buying insight that we could apply to our our strategies and tactics. So the first one is called the Priority Initiative. What is the trigger event that led the search for a solution like yours? The second is Mm -hmm. success factors. Those are the personal and operational results your buyer expects from purchasing your solution. Then you want to extract perceived barriers. So what prevents buyers from considering your solution? Why do your competitors have a better approach? Then you want to unfold the the buyer's journey. This is the the behind-the-scenes story about the work your buyers do to evaluate, eliminate, and choose their final choice. Finally, the fifth buyer insight is decision criteria, uh, which are the specific attributes of your product or solution that buyers evaluate as they compare their alternative approaches. So I I thought that was interesting because there are a few frameworks out there, you have the jobs to be done, the constraints, goals, uh, so on and so forth. I like this one because it it segments it pretty clearly, which at the end result helps me build a clear and concise buyer's journey and profile, which then I can apply to to different kinds of strategies and tactics. So in her book, Buyer Personas, which I really uh, hope all of you can buy, it's it's not expensive and you can read it literally in one day. She says that there are only a few questions you should be asking and that there is only one scripted question that you need to ask to capture the whole story. Remember, like the key here is that th- this is not, in my opinion, it's not an interview. It is a conversation. Mm-hmm. Just like this. Yes, it's exactly. So she says, and I, I love this approach versus every other approach that I've tried. You should ask one scripted question, which is take me back to the day when you first decided to evaluate a new, whatever your p- solution or product is and tell me what happened. So this first question is the, the question that's encouraging the audience to tell you about the first time they even thought about using a solution like yours. I love that. Again, remember, you're not having an interview. It's, it's just a conversation. You want them to tell you a story because that's when the, the true emotion and the true insights are going to, to come out. The key is, again, why do we we say not interview? Because they'll likely lie to you about
0: some things. But here, you just want them to talk organically and tell you a story. And then, so this is like the one scripted question. And then the rest of the things you said, you know... In that one through five list, you just ask them like a person. Hey, how did you hear about us? Like, hey, what were you thinking? You know, hey, so far, how's it been? How has it solved your problem? You know, what was your problem? Did it solve your problem? Just talk exactly. Like so, so the key, I think, to a successful conversation is is knowing
1: to to dig in deep, and also not just to. It's not a linear conversation. Don't be afraid to kind of go back into some some questions and reiterate or re ask because it could be that the first time you asked a specific question may have not been clear to them and asking it in a different way will expose even deeper insights and emotion than the first time. So then she recommends, like even taking the conversation further to probe for more insight. Okay, so you took me back to that day. Why didn't you do it sooner? And what changed that you had to decide now is the time to do whatever the goal is, right? Or like now is the time I need to secure my network network infrastructure, and, and why why now? right? So this question identifies what caused them to make the change to actively look. so it's it's that shift over in the journey and and it exposes the the barriers and the goals they had. And then here's where you dig even deeper. All right, you told me this, what was it and why? Take me through what you did throughout that buying journey, right? Who influenced them to buy? Where do they spend time? What are the channels that they're exploring or hanging out in to make the buying decision? So to recap, you're trying to extract the trigger, the constraints, the goals, and then the buyer journey. And then there's one kind of like cherry on top, important question um, she recommends to ask. She, She says, are there any differences in the market out there that we can learn and take advantage of? This is a critical question. Understand what you can pinpoint as your key differentiator. So mm-hmm. then all that all that insight in from that conversation, from that transcript that you're going to have, right? By the way, record this if you can.
0: <laughs> By the way, have this at a loud McDonald's yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and don't yeah, record yeah,
1: yeah. it. <laughs> McDonald's for sure. You know, the recommendation is take that transcript. Take the conversations, distribute the quotes from the questions you asked, and then apply those to those rings of buying intent in an Excel sheet. One tab for each ring, right? You have five rings segmented by the quote as one field or column, the source, who said it, and what their role is, the key insight, right? Distill that quote into one short takeaway. And then the type of buyer. And then once you have all that, you can start mapping things out to see what are the the trends here. What is most um, polarizing here? What is most popular? And then you can you can from, from all that, you can really identify like which buyers you should be influencing and how to reach them. Which which honestly should be the beginning of any company or marketing strategy.
0: And marketers, you must do this. You cannot rely on sales to answer any of these questions. We love sales so much, right? I don't know. We love sales. But if you ever ask sales, hey, how did they hear about us? They're going to say something like, or like, what was the trigger? They're going to say something like, I have to look in Salesforce. And it was, they saw us at a booth at a trade show or something. Oh, you know, da, da da da. you might not get a good answer. Yeah. I mean, in
1: my experience, actually, a lot of the times people don't know how to find the trigger. It's hard. It's fucking hard. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, even, you know, when I come in, when I come onto a role, I like to talk to customer success. I like to take, take them through a series of questions, sales also, but it's funny that like, I, you know, I talk to many people. I, again, I map out everything that I see from each of those people, those customer facing um, stakeholders. And it's incredible to see, even even though they have, you know, direct relationship with customer, how different they perceive what a customer is saying on a sales call versus what the customer is actually saying. Like the, the, the transaction, the, the, the context is so different than just having a, a kind of a non-transactional conversation with, with somebody who just wants to build a authentic relationship Mm -hmm. with the audience. So, you know,
0: that's critical to say. So Danny, what are some surprising things you've learned after talking to customers and prospects using this framework? I'm going to keep this general. That's fair. Because I I want to
1: state something, and this ties back into why we don't do this more frequently. First and foremost, I learned that, yes, the security practitioner does bite sometimes. Not literally, but, you know, sassy. They probably want to taser you at times. But... There is a large percentage of the community that is willing to help and willing to fi- help you find an alternative to the crap you're doing. I mean, there's this, I feel like there's this stigma in the security space where, like, oh, you know, the, the practitioner is, it is so hard to to access and they don't want to talk to me and you know, they're in a tough spot. Don't bother them. Or I don't have anything smart to say or, or whatever, you know, or I have imposter syndrome. What am I going to say to them or sit down? The smart people are talking. Um, my experience reaching out to, to security professionals is that they are very nice and they are so very generous, more so than any audience I've spoken to as a tech marketer. I mean, hey, like one specific relationship I, I developed with said hacker, uh, well known in the, space, in the security community, was born out of a frustration he had with me and the rest of the vendor marketers out there. I mean, the first thing he said to me indirectly was, take that person out back and taser them. Yikes. Why? I I, I used a buzzword. And... Very quickly, I learned what not to do. And today, like you know, we talk every single week, and he's really helped me understand what motivates him to buy. What are the challenges? How do they speak? Where do where do they surf? Where do they evaluate? Who else can I talk to? And so that was a very surprising thing for me to to learn. And really, they're emotional people, which I think is great. Um, you know, I think also what I've learned is that in general. I think, again, on these calls, I don't think they know sometimes how to express their emotions or share their motivations. And so it takes, again, it takes practice to, to extract that. If, if you don't guide the conversation, you're not going to get that. So those are a few things that I've learned um, that were surprising. Um, maybe not for others, but for me specifically. Use the
0: buzzword, get the buzzer. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So... I want to go back into the crap because it was so tantalizing when you said that. So, what is the crap that we're doing today? We, the cybersecurity mm. marketers, what are the, what is this crap that was identified?
1: Yeah, wow, this is really putting me on the spot. That's right. Say bad <laughs> things about everyone you know. Uh, no, I mean I'm saying bad things I've done that made no sense. I just like calling myself out happily though. I literally posted about this three times on LinkedIn. So there's prob- there's a list of like. 50 things out there. (laughs) Um, but let's see, really, I'm going to talk about the, the quite exhaustive list of things that I've done that had no direct impact to my customer and my business, which wasted time and took, took the time out from, from actually getting to know my audience securing my company profile on all social channels including pinterest like what the fuck was i thinking
0: oh pinterest what did you pin about
1: (laughs) i don't even like quotes
0: that nobody saw
1: i don't even know
0: (laughs) here so there's Uh, a tactic you could take quotes from security practitioners put them into beautiful flowery because tomorrow's hacker is trying to look for quotes on pinterest
1: on how to save the goddamn world i don't know like (laughs) Uh, focusing way too much on the competitor versus the customer, following uh, best practice landing page design from other B2B SaaS companies selling to like completely different audiences, spending, here we go, spending too many hours and marketing dollars, getting a landing page mock-up design versus just using existing templates that already work, writing what is articles, spending thousands of dollars and hours redoing already functioning and well converting website. I'm not even talking about a rebrand. Oh, this is a good one. Creating overly complex and pretty nurture trees and and flows in Lucidchart. That's that's fun to show the team, but who cares? Look, I spent all this time in Lucidchart. Oh, this is a great one too. Spending three hours brainstorming the opt-in message under my opt-in forms. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, the big one. Distributing the big one we all love to talk about. Distribu- distributing high level ebooks on LinkedIn Legion forms that generate leads that will never buy, versus distributing easily digestible information that inform buyers of the value with a solid solid point of view. What else? Oh, I like this one. Building out displacement competitive campaign ads on GDN versus validating if my audience needs to complement existing technology with our solution versus replace.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people get caught in that. Oh, because one customer replaced us with X yeah. with X. That's We're totally, boom, rip out that other thing and replace it with us instead of, hey, you know what? Everything is defense and depth. There's layers. And people don't want to rip stuff out unless they yeah. really hate it, yeah, 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 unless they have a true reason.
1: I think uh, the last two are the winners. Uh building ABM lists just to bribe potential buyers with a $75 Amazon gift card for a meeting. I know you hate that. Versus building a relationship based
0: on trust. So here's a question. And this is a thing that's talked about a little ad nauseum, and I'm going off book here. And these are great, by the way. We're gonna link all of these in the show notes. Danny, we're going to drive so much traffic to your LinkedIn posts from all the people who are listening to this podcast. So you are changing, right? You're saying this ebook form fills. this is, this has been a hot topic for like two years. So it's almost like beaten to death, but a lot of marketers use MQLs as leading indicators to revenue. So how are you changing that dynamic when you're removing ebook form fills? I'm just, on gating stuff and
1: putting the, the, you know, lifting the value of the content directly, natively on the platforms, designing the content for the way the platform is meant to be consumed versus taking them off the platform. I mean, they're in there. The audience is in there. They're engaging. Hell, they're telling marketers what not to do and how to do it. So why should we be taking them off that? that experience off that platform? How do we create a pleasant experience, value driven experience natively
0: in the environment they are used to being in? This has been an awesome conversation. We love having you on. You always have some really interesting thoughts to share and you're very open about what you're doing and the results that you've seen. So we'd love to have you back on again. But in the meantime, There's one last question that's not related to cybersecurity marketing that we want to ask you. We ask all of our guests this. If you were not in marketing, what would you be doing? I would probably be a gardener. Like, I know
1: it's not so glamorous, but oh my goodness, I would probably be a gardener. (laughs) That's awesome. I I really like uh, plants and I love planting and Like I was really debating that when, when COVID hit, I'm like, maybe I should just leave high tech and go be a gardener. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about that.
0: Do you garden at home?
1: Well, not right now. Um, I did when I had a flat, you know, with a yard. Now I have quite a nice balcony house right now. So maybe I should start creating my little pots and so. Start I, putting out those tomatoes, right? Yeah, it's it's really therapeutic, and it's it's rewarding. It's rewarding to see them grow. Don't take my dying plant in the back as uh, as reference here about how I feel about plants, but
0: yeah, I love it. Awesome, and I can I can totally see that in your personality. Oh, you, cool. you'd be an awesome gardener. And if we want to tie this back to marketing, you know, you're cultivating relationships. Yuck, yuck. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm a cornball and I shouldn't be allowed to host this podcast. They should really, (laughs) they should really not let me. I love it. Well, (laughs) I loved it. Where can people find you? And now we get to talk about your podcast. Mm -hmm. What is your podcast name and where can people find you and listen more?
1: People can find me on LinkedIn for sure. You know, if they want to talk to me, I'm, I'm pretty active there. And yeah, I, I'm, you know, creating a podcast. It's been a, it's, it's been a minute. I've been thinking about this for a while and I haven't launched it yet, but you know, launches right around the corner. My podcast is uh, called audience first. It's a podcast for tech marketers who are looking to break out of the echo chamber that we're so used to being in to better understand the audience and turn them into customers. So I'm going to be having brutally honest conversations uh, with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things that they hate that vendors do, and what is the alternative? What can you do about it? So the goal is really to give, give everybody who's either phasing into um, the technology space, security specifically, or already in the space, practical information on, on how to build a relationship uh, with audiences, how to listen to them and talk with the buyers um, and then apply those insights, learn how to apply those insights uh,
0: to the strategies and tactics. Awesome. So we're, we're eagerly awaiting your your first episode, Danny, And we'll link to it, of course, in the show notes if it's already live, which it might be by the time this airs. Love it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.